some of you know who we are. So my name's Ava. This is Brooke, just in case we have some new people here. Uh, we kind of got conned into this, but we would love for you to hear our topic because we're very passionate about it. We are happy to be here. We just have technical issues, so like um, anxiety. It's fine. All right. Alrighty, before Let's we start, I'd love to pray. I know we've prayed a bit more, but... Yeah, the more prayer you have, the more you're with God. It's fine. All right, if you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes with me today as we um, talk to Refresh Community, I pray that you'll be with everyone in the crowd. Let our words be yours um, and let everyone um, take our words and be able to apply to their lives. Um, may you open their minds to hear our message today. In your heavenly name, amen. All right. Um, so if, if we're just like, if you can't comprehend what we're saying, just yell slow down. I know I can count on Damien to do that wherever yes. you are. So... Um, just, just yell at us if you need to. Just yeah, no. It's a family so. gene. If you know our mothers, Nicole, very great. It's fine. <laughs> Alrighty. So this morning, Brooke and I would love to talk to you, um, take you through one of our favorite devotional books. It's called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. We um, stole the title page. It's okay. You can answer your phone. I don't want to like talk in a new conversation. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was taught manners as a child. Like, I just don't want to talk while you're talking. Okay, sorry. Okay, now we were given this book by our mentor, Sarah. Where's she at? Yeah, beautiful dress, beautiful earrings. She has, like, the best pink shoes she got for five bucks. 25. 25? It's op shop. It's fine. All right, so we were given our, um, this book by Sarah, our mentor, and um, at the start of last year, um, to help us with our leadership journey. So we were our, um, the 2022 Youth Pastoral Workers last year. Um, so she helped us kind of get into the headspace of how Bob Goff puts it, becoming love. So that's what we're going to talk to you about today. Now, there are a few people here that have been given this book before us, um, and they haven't finished it yet. You guys are warned, okay? It's going to contain spoilers. I'm so sorry, but you had like a year ahead of us, so all good. So this book is basically about a man um, using his life to explain how he learnt um, through his life the importance of love and how people can become it. Um, and I hope, um, I hope that this 430-page book makes sense. We thought it would be in, uh, easier to introduce you to the author and the main source of... Um, great life quotes we'll be sharing with you today. So, this is Bob. He just looks like a great guy, doesn't he? He just looks like a grandpa. It's, it's lovely. It was so comforting seeing his picture for the first time about last night. Um, that was so <laughs> That was actually, yeah, no, it was like, we should probably add a picture. So, Bob Goff, this guy, um, he was a lawyer for nearly 30 years, and before retiring, he became a motivational speaker and a human rights activist. Uh, being one of the founders of the international restoration company, Love Does, which is also a title of another one of his books. All his books aim to recenter how we treat each other. Um, um, book will dive into the deeper appreciation of not what being in love is, but what becoming love means. So, when you think of love, what do you think of? You think of Valentine's Day, it's coming up quick. Partners, get your, <laughs> get your presents, depending on the time of day. Um, love is, um, the word love is normally twisted um, to passion or lust, concealing the original context of the word. We as Christians, we believe that God is the physical representation of love. But for people that haven't yet taken God's scripture to heart, they see love as a romantic or platonic bond that is the climax of social um, acceptance. Love is a fairy tale ending that people want, but their love is not surrounded by God. 
God's love is displayed in the Bible as him. It's the greatest force and the way to understand who God is, um, is to understand love. And love covers all our sins. I feel like we use the word love really loosely. Like we talk about it all the time, but I think it's, I'm not saying all the time, but like sometimes it's just addressed at a really shallow level and we're not even talking about real love that comes from God. Uh, obviously, no one is perfect, so our, uh, our perception of love as people is, um, is quite flawed. It's human nature to think about yourself first, so when you think love, I'll think, I'll only love those who love me, or I'll only love those who can um, help me in some way. And we think about what we can get out of a relationship rather than what we can give to it. Um, but God says love is patient and love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. I'm sure you've heard that so many times. And today, Ava and I are going to dive into that version of love, the real love that God offers us and that we should aspire to possess. All right, so before signing this book, I thought I knew what love was. It was God. Like, we grow up Christian, we know love is God. Um, love is something everyone wanted. It was a clear black and white desire. The Bible verses above are some of the few things we, hear, um, we grow up hearing about in a faith-centered atmosphere. In my mind, I guess I hadn't really thought about love in such a deep way until I read this. So, you know, it's like a pretty simple concept. It's black and white and everyone desires love. But after reading this book, I've been open to like so many more different perspectives of what real love is and how deep it is. So Ava and I have both chosen one specific chapter from the book that really spoke to us. So we're going to um, talk about those today and dive into what they're about and what we got out of it. Um, before we dive into it, I just want to say that everything we're talking about today is stuff that we're learning ourselves. So it's stuff that like spoke to us and that convicted us and it's not, we're not just trying to be as well. So yeah. Um, the chapter I chose is called My Bucket. At the start of this chapter, Goff explains how he struggled with impatience. Uh, he said he found a kid's book about buckets and it had the premise of we will become in our lives what we put in our buckets. Let me take a second to breathe, sorry. Just breathe, it's fine. <laughs> um, Bob knew he needed to work on his patience, so to remind himself of this, he took on the challenge of carrying a story of how he flew out to speak at a church on the weekend of Super Bowl and how he so desperately wanted to get home to see the end of it. Um, so when he finished speaking at church, he headed straight for the airport dropped off, to drop off his rental car and fly home. When he got to the rental car line, he realised he was stuck with that one employee that was so incredibly slow and he was getting impatient and no cars were moving so his impatience and frustration grew until he remembered his bucket in the passenger seat next to him so you know he said fill it with patience fill it with patience reminding himself of this so after about 25 minutes when the rental car guy finally got to his car he gave the whole how are you going how was your rental car, ex car experience and Bob said that in the old days, he would have just clocked him with his bucket and complained about how he missed his flight. Instead, Goff responded with, I had a great time. The car was awesome. You're awesome. Airplanes are awesome. Life is awesome. I hope you have a great day. And as you probably would be, he was shocked at this response. He didn't even recognize himself, he said. Um, as he walked away, um, going into the airport, the rental car attendant traced after him and said, hey, I just want you to know that that sermon you gave at church was so good. Shocked. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we all thought, right? Um, <laughs> shocked. He thought, man, just if he knew what was going through my head while I was sitting in line. 
He goes on to say, we can pretend to have all the game we want uh, on stage, at work, in our faith communities, but it's how we treat the rental car attendant, the grocery bagger, the bank teller, the people we see in our everyday life that tells us where we're at with Jesus. Now, this quote, there's a lot of, like, moments in this book where you're like, whoa, and something really sticks out to you, and this quote was um, one of the biggest ones for me, I reckon. It reminded me of the importance of spiritual integrity. So I remember in middle school, after, um, after a week of worship, we had our commitments. I know you're thinking what I'm thinking, aren't you, Sarah? <laughs> Much where Sarah was leading us and um, teaching us how we can teach other people about Jesus. And one of the first things she um, spoke about was spiritual integrity. So it's always, I guess I've always thought about it, and then, you know, recently it's just been reminding, I've been reminded of it more and more. Um... Yeah, so it's just about, you know, following through with what you say you believe and what you teach. So saying you know Jesus and truly meaning it because you study his word and you spend time with him and all that. If you say you believe in loving everyone and treating people with kindness and patience, you need to live by it too. It's the same with your relationship with God. If you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I know about Jesus, but in daily life, Jesus is more of an afterthought or you don't remember the last time you picked up your Bible or spent quality time in prayer, then sometimes you might just question how much you actually know Jesus. I couldn't teach someone about like cricket or footy or something because I know nothing about it. It's the same with Jesus. You can't comfortably and truthfully teach about him when you don't know him. And as disciples, the goal is to become more like Jesus, but you can't become like someone that you don't know. Um, it's easy to fall into the trap of just going through the motions, and I know I've experienced this all the time. We both find that we're just going through the motions, and you know, not starting a day with Jesus, or not being intentional about what you're, how you're spending your time, and the reason for what you do. And this is relevant no matter what job you work in, but I think especially when you're working in ministry, um, and your job is all for Jesus, but you've got to remember that that doesn't fuel your relationship with Him. Um, Ava and I both learned this a lot this year doing um, youth pastoral work in the past year we're like whoa hold on you got to learn to fill your own cup before you Uh, we've talked a lot about Jesus recently but have we talked to him and there'll be some days where we've we're just like we're deflated and we're like wait hold on where am I with God right now and you'd have that conviction of you need to go to him right now is becoming love as Goff puts it It's the big idea of Christianity, and it's the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I think we often miss the second half of that on others too. It's a follow-through effect, and that's when it shows where you're at with God. Breathe. (laughs) If um, uh, If you love him, you'll be convicted to love on others. And I don't mean just doing random acts of kindness, that's great, but I mean when you're in the car and you're getting mad at someone because they really just don't know how to drive properly, I know you've all experienced this, are you going to act on the anger you're feeling and curse them even though they can't hear you, or are you going to take a moment, sit back and think about your reaction? Because I think it's in those moments specifically, and I've, I've experienced this several times, it's all right. It's in those moments specifically when you're alone that your level of spiritual integrity um, shows and it shows where you're at with Jesus and when you grow to become closer and closer to Jesus, it's a pretty obvious change to you and to the people around you. So just like the story of Bob and the rental car guy, he didn't respond as people usually would out of anger, he responded out of love. Yes, he had those thoughts of anger, 
but he was focusing on the patients. He was filling his bucket with patients, so he was acting out of patience and treating this man accordingly, even though he was ready to clock him with his bucket. You are what you fill your bucket with, so when you fill your bucket with love, real love that you learn from God, you become love. Um, one thing I think both Brooke and myself um, appreciate during this book is Goff's ability to be 100% relatable and build his narrative and messages in a way that made me um, feel like I could understand the teaching in my life specifically. Um, one of the quotes that really stuck with me um, for me is, God is more interested in making us grow than having us look finished. Uh, like Goff, literally carrying a metal bucket... Um, around him for like three weeks, we see a Christian writer carrying a bucket around. Um, what's the first thing that comes to your head? You think, oh no, maybe he's on a mission trip. Maybe they ran out of hampers at church. Um, you don't expect him to be practicing patience in such a literal way. Um, I think in our minds, we trick ourselves into forgetting that there isn't actually a major difference between us and our spiritual leaders. We as humans, and we're all children of God, we all have the same access to growing in our faith, whatever, whether sorry, you've decided to dedicate your life to the study of Scripture or not. An example of love and faith can come in many different fronts. We are all continually growing in our faith, no matter our lives or circumstances, degrees and otherwise. So instead of trying to look like we're continually growing in our faith, Ooh, instead of trying to look like we've got everything together, sorry, um, why not show our insecurities in faith? Why not show what we are insecure about? Putting more emphasis on our growth instead of our status of being known as the mature Christian. God won't shout over all the noise in our lives to get our attention. He speaks most clearly in the stillness desperation brings. Um, God deserves to have us make room for him. That's, it's just that simple. Goff talked about this growing in silence method when he reminisced over his son flying a plane for the first time. Goff knew he had to just sit back and not talk while his son flew because he didn't need the instruction. So a bit of backstory. Uh, their family has a cabin um, they go to in the summer. You know, American things. Um, so at that cabin, they have a seaplane, which Bob um, taught himself and his sons to fly. You know, as you do, having a seaplane in your summer house. But that's okay. Um, so, parents, our learners aren't looking that scary, are they? They're on the road. Um, so, Goff's son needed the silence to grow and become stronger in his ability to fly. Now, neither of us have a plane um, that our parents taught us to fly, and, but I did have a farm ute um, that I practiced manual driving in with my mum. So, here's how I apply to the story in my life. Um, when I was 14, there was the 20-minute explanation on gears, don't drive on the paddock, this is a dirt road, but it's a road, don't go on that side of the farm, all that jazz. And then um, there was a time and silence when I was driving. Now, thinking back, I think it was the terror my mum had that she just handed the wheel to her 14-year-old daughter, and it was a manual car, and it wasn't our property, and it wasn't our ute, it was a family one. Um, but after that first time, that silence for me, it wasn't the stress. It was the atmosphere that my mom had confidence in my driving. I didn't need her instruction anymore because she taught me all I needed to know. And now it was my turn to take her teachings and my turn to drive. God teaches us through our past. He talks to us through our friends, our families, strangers even on the street. 
And when we hear his silence, a lot of us get scared. Our first instinct, um, I know mine is sometimes, is why do you leave me? Like, what did I do wrong? Um, what if his silence was the final test, though? In Matthew 4, if you guys want to get out your Bibles, or it's up the screen, because it's only a short one. Um, Jesus was sleeping in the boat with his disciples, and there was a massive storm that hit the boat. Jesus continues to sleep while his disciples are just running around the boat, freaking out. Um, and when they wake Jesus, they demand how he remains so calm. Like, teacher, don't you care about us? We are going to drown. But Jesus replied, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? At this point, the disciples had seen, already seen Jesus bring people back to life, heal sicknesses, drive out demons, give some really good fishing advice. Yet the disciples still chose to worry, to panic, and to forget their past and their training, almost, and allocate blame to Jesus. Now, the two things we can take from the story. One, sleep is good. I'm just going to put that out there. Sleep is good. Um, and second, Jesus doesn't leave us alone because he doesn't, but he also doesn't hold our hand the whole way. He leads us as a parent teaches their children to drive. They teach us what they know, they guide us, and then they let us fly solo. One of the quotes that really stuck with me um, was, what a shame it would be if we were waiting for God to say something while he's been waiting for us to do something. He isn't afraid we'll fail. Instead, he delights in our attempts. He delights in us trying new things and growing confident in our decisions and faith. Seeing us fail to learn patience or forgiveness maybe, but still trying, trying daily to obtain them is what he looks forward to. To become love, God doesn't take us on the safest path, but rather the one with most growth. We aren't made love. Um, we learn to become it gradually over time. So there's, um, there's a few chapters at the end of the book that um, stuck out to Ava and I both, and if you've read it before, um, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but it is quite a heavy topic and sensitive topic, so Ava and I are going to try and present it as best we can um, while still giving uh, the message and the chapter justice of what we want you to hear. Okay. So... Um Carby was the head of all the witch doctors. He's our main guy, or one of the main people we're talking about today. He was one of the head of the witch doctors in the northern Uganda. He was described as someone who looked like he had all the hate on his face congregated on his face. All the hate in his life congregated on his face. Sorry, my brain like slips ahead. It's all good. So witch doctors, if you're not aware, um, they're known to abduct children. Um, they use them as human sacrifices um, and are known to dismember them. Um, to Goff, and understandably a lot of people, um, Carby was the evilest person they would ever meet. Um, his story entwines um, with Goff as, well, when Carby kidnapped a young boy, Charlie, and castrated him, leaving him on the side of the road for dead. But Charlie didn't die. He <laughs> revealed that um, with the help of Goff and his friends, um, they were able to convict Carby, because remembering he was a lawyer for 30 years, um, as he was, Charlie was the only victim to live and also be able to identify his attacker. The story goes on to see how an eight-year-old boy and a group of lawyers were able to step past their fear of the witch doctors and who ruled Uganda with fear and as their greatest weapon and sentenced the most important and feared witch doctor to prison. Now, you would think that in a story of love, like, 
it was completed. That was the lesson, like standing up against your enemies, um, that would be the final message. But Goff tries to relay to his audience, becoming love is a myriad of things. When you are becoming love, you aim to eliminate any darkness in your life because love has turned up the brightness and you see how much darker the darkness is when your spiritual life isn't existing in the lowlights. Now, to make that make sense, um, in simpler terms, if you're in someone's house and they always have their lights on dim, like they're all the solar saver powers and they're always on dim, they're not like bright lights, they aren't too phased when you turn off the lights because like the darkness is already there, they're already kind of realize it in their brain, it's getting dark. It's a natural state for them. However, when you go to bed and you have, say, these lights on, um, no dim setting, you turn off the lights and your brain can't handle it. It's kind of like that video when you turn off your lights and then you quickly run downstairs because you think of monsters in the dark. Like, you will understand when you're a child. Um, is that darkness where our brain can't handle it because it's just so dark compared to the light that was just there. Um, and it takes a moment for you to adjust. Now, Goff recognized this in his book. He was happy that Charlie got justice and Uganda was made that little bit safer, but what about Kabi? A person becoming love is forgiving and filled with love towards everyone, especially their enemies, and God doesn't have exceptions and neither should we. As I was going to start this section of the book, um, I was just like, I'll just read a chapter and then I'll like go on with my day. But um, when I started, I, like, couldn't put it down, so I ended up reading, like, all five chapters and finished the book in one sitting. Um, <laughs> yes, very proud moment. Um, so this whole journey of Charlie and Kabi is actually insane. Like, highly recommend this book. Please read it. Need to experience what we've experienced. Um, after he was convicted and sent to prison, Bob visited Kabi several times. He shared his story with Bob about what it was like growing up the son of a witch doctor and how witchcraft had impacted his life. And he said to Bob, I know I'm going to die in here. What I really need is forgiveness. I'm just going to let that sink in. As you probably all would be, Bob was stunned by this. Um, and I don't know about you, but if I was in his situation and I'd gone through that journey with this little eight-year-old boy and convicted this witch doctor, I would never want to be near him again. But Bob kept going back and kept visiting him. Um, yeah, your immediate thought for forgiving him is probably no. There's no way anyone could forgive someone who kidnapped, defiled, and attempted to sacrifice an eight-year-old kid. No one should ever get a second chance after committing that sort of sin. But you've got to remember that everyone is equal in God's eyes. And God forgives him, and he deserves grace just like we do. And I know it's very hard to comprehend. so true and something we really need to learn. Um, Kabi went on to say that he wanted to put his faith and place his life in the hands of Jesus. Bob continued visiting Kabi and went on a journey of faith with him. And at one of Bob's visits, Kabi stood up and spoke to all these inmates in this prison about this new life he had started with Jesus. While he may have had every single fact wrong and completely hacked the message of the gospel, Kabi experienced grace, and that was obvious because he was just so passionate about it. He definitely had a lot to learn, but so did Jesus' disciples at the very beginning. Kabi was standing in grace, forgiveness, and the unconditional love of God that he had received. We always hear, love how God loves, and love your enemies, and that seems easy until you really have an enemy. It's easy to love those who are easy to love, but what about our enemies and those who are hard to love, people like Kabi? It really gives a new perspective on what Jesus means when he says this, 
because until you have one, it seems easy. Um, When you're faced with trying to love someone who has caused this sort of trauma and um, unthinkable pain to a child, you suddenly see how powerful God's love is if he can love someone like that. Um, When anyone or anything undergoes change, they are never the same person. You can't be. One can't exist when the other one is there. Um, When we are becoming love, we need to leave behind who we were to be who God intended us to be. Now, it's a free choice God gives us. If we had no choice, people would just automatically be love. Um, But we've we've mentioned this before. It's not about the finished products God's interested in. It's about the journey and growth we go on to get there. For Bob to befriend his enemy, he wasn't befriending Carby, the witch doctor. He was befriending Carby, the believer. They were two different people at this point. When living like love, we shouldn't focus on the past. If we did, no one would learn to grow. Um, for you, for you are what you fill your bucket with, and your bucket fills the buckets around you once it overflows. Instead of giving reminders of the past and actions of people that is not who they are anymore, we should instead people who are going to are growing to become who they want to be. Because I really want you guys to understand this, and I think it's slightly confusing. I do have it up on the screen. Um, and it tells you in the words of um, Mr. Bob Groff himself. So let me just read it out for you. Um, people who are becoming loved celebrate how far, how far people around them have come. They're constantly asking the question, where do you want to go? Then they help them get there. Go do that with the people you love, including your enemies. Don't talk to them about their failures and the dark places they've been. Talk to them about who they're becoming and the bright hope that is their future. Speak truthfully and wise words over them. Bring a few medals too. As you put the last one on their chest, look them in the eye and tell them, look how far you've come. Knowing that the journey you and I never really ends, we can ask the people we love in the most, the most important questions ever conceived. Where do you want to go? Now, grace is never fair until you need some. And sometimes we give medals to others and we feel the lightness in our own chest. But love is a level that is achievable to all God's children. And when we are looking for a plan to go the distance, God often sends a person instead. It may be a friend. It may be an enemy. But there, are, but there will be someone that gives medals to you too. For everyone who wants to become love is loved, be, um, even before that idea was ever conceived. I think we underestimate the power of real love. Real, unconditional, kind, selfless love changes everything. It changes your perspective on life, others, and yourself, and it changes people for the better. When Carby realized how his actions had affected other people and the consequences that it had brought upon himself, he realized he was in major need of forgiveness and change in his life. This man had gone from kidnapping, defiling, and killing children to recognizing his wrong and telling 3,000 inmates about Jesus. And that was only possible through love. Goff states that when seeing Cubby in that prison, he declared that, oh, yep. Goff states that when he saw Cubby in this prison declaring his new life with Jesus, he said he didn't see an imprisoned witch doctor. He saw Jesus standing barefoot in Cubby's clothes. He saw a man becoming love. If that doesn't show you the power of love, I don't know what will, to be honest. God had received this love which led him to love and accept someone else who in our eyes, without God's perspective on people, would be impossible to love. This love again completely changed a criminal's life. 
So even witch doctors have nothing compared to the power love has. After hearing this, you may just think, screen, this is the cover of the book. Um, and it looks like just colourful dots probably from a distance where you guys are. Um, and that's what we thought as well. That's I thought what it was thought. balloons for like a good <laughs> solid months. Um, yeah, it just looks like colourful dots behind the title. But if you look closely, you see its fingerprints. And it's actually fingerprints of thousands of witch doctors from Uganda. So Bob started a witch doctor school where they teach them how to read and write. And their only textbooks are one of Bob's, one of Bob's other books, Love Does, and the Bible. So, if that gives you any perspective, it's not just one witch doctor whose life has been changed, it's actually thousands. So, it's our hope that through these stories um, that we started to share with you today of a man becoming love, that you can think of situations in your own life where you can become a little bit more like love too. The people here at Refresh, we're a family. Um, we're a small part of God's um, family overall, but we're a family all the same with a mighty purpose to serve. So let Brooke and I be the first ones to say, where do you want to go this year? Um, there will be a sheet of paper on the Connect Desk um, and where um, we challenge you guys to write where you want to go this year, whether it will be growing in Bible studies, um, facing a small group and finding one, um, baptism or any area in your life or even what you want Refresh to be, what you want to walk into and what you want your home to look like. Our journeys are never over with God. If you haven't completely understood what we've said, um, this last bit is pretty much what we want you to take away from today. It's through the challenges and big steps we learn to slowly become love. Rome wasn't built in a day, and while God made the world in six, he knows we can't be like him. And that's why he loves our attempts, he loves our failures, because they help us grow and slowly grow closer to the masterpiece of love he's created us to be. To love everybody, always. So my takeaway is for you today to take your time to be who you were created to be. God isn't rushing you, and you shouldn't rush yourself. So let the people around you help you. We can all be students again when learning. Receive this crazy, powerful love. Um, and receiving that love enables you to pass it on. So my takeaway for today is to remember the power of real love. Don't underestimate it, because it is life-changing. Thank you.